This is Waiting for Review, a show about iOS development and the Apple ecosystem. From the UK, I'm Dave Knott, and joining me from New Zealand is Dave Wood. Loft insulation is done, thank goodness. <laughs> well, that was, yeah, that was something. I'll, I'll tell you, that was something. <laughs> He's still itching. A little bit, yeah. I kind of got like dry eyes still as well. Yeah, it turned out that the way the loft was insulated is completely the wrong way to do it because it was done like 20 years ago and it's that kind of like pink fluffy stuff that you stick in between the rafters yeah i kind of thought well, that's where you put the insulation but apparently not it's advisable apparently to leave the rafters kind of empty yep and then kind of board over the top um, big blocks of of insulation yeah well it's kind of like this compressed foamy stuff i don't know what it is but it's kind of like almost like these giant kind of bricks that you screw up to the rafters, like bricks of insulation, yep. sort of like, I don't know, six foot long by a foot high. Are they uh, foil backed? So they sort of like. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's got like this silver backing stuff on it. But so yeah, it kind of goes roof tiles, roofing felt, about three inches of air, then these kind of foil backed compressed foam things <laughs> that are the insulation slabs, and they go sort of just straight over the rafters so now it's almost like you just can't see the rafters at all um just the entire loft is like silver now (laughs) so yeah that's that's apparently the way to do it so i was told um (laughs) that's cool that that means um you trap a a layer of air between the um the insulation and the the um, tiles on the outside yeah and see to me that just seemed like why would you do that but it turns out you actually want the air i thought you wanted to almost replace the insulation with new insulation like yeah. fluffy stuff, and then go over with the silver-backed, whatever it is, insulation stuff. But apparently not. Yeah, it just seemed kind of counterintuitive that you'd want air right next to those tiles. Have you left uh, all the old uh, old fluffy stuff there? No, we had to rip it out. That's why I got in such a state. <laughs> oh. And like bagging it all up and, yeah, yeah it was awful. That's great. It turned, it's, it's, it's fiberglass, that stuff, isn't it? yeah. It, it turned out that it was because it was touching like the the roof felt, which is basically right on next to the tiles. Uh, there was lots of condensation being formed right. that couldn't escape. And then over time, the fiberglass would be getting damp and damp and damp and damp, and then it would get heavier and heavier and heavier, and then the weight of it just pulled it out of the rafters. Right. Which is what prompted me to think, right, I need to reinstate the loft, because currently it was like half of it was hanging in by a thread, and the rest of it yeah. had fallen down onto all like the Christmas decorations and all the other rubbish we've got in the loft. Right. Yeah. So it's either That's, uh, not a nice job at all. No. But yeah, seven hours later it was done. So <laughs> <laughs> like Yeah, it's, it kinda of, kinda of made me realise actually I haven't done anything like manual in that sense in so long. Like I can feel all these muscles that I just haven't used. Like they're yeah. now today they're like really aching. That's um I mean what we're now it's not two days for you uh, since Sunday. It's two days for me since Sunday. Sorry, <laughs> but yeah, it does tend to be with that sort of thing that you get an effect, kind of a well, in your case, a day and a bit. But for me, it's quite often like the the second day is when I really feel it. Yeah, yeah. Tomorrow should be fun. <laughs> yeah, but just like you know, in, in a really small loft space, going like my knees like really hurt today because I guess you know I've just been crawling up and down on this chipboard floor in the loft. Uh, and then like sitting down on it as well. So I'm just like aching everywhere at the moment. Let's just stick to computers (laughs) is what I've learned from that whole experience, I think. 
So your your working environment's changing, right? You you were working with with a room. You had a had a room to yourself. Yeah, and, and I'm well. I'm in that room now, but this is again like last week. I think I don't think it made it in the show, but I think last week I kind of commented. I'm back in the room again, and the last time I was here was this time last week when we were podcasting, and this week is exactly the same. Um, I'm back in here because I've got my mic kind of screwed down to the desk, so it just makes sense to come in here for the time being. But yeah, this this again, this is the first time I've actually used this office space that I've got at home in 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 the week. So it seems like all I'm using it for now is once a week I'll come up here for an hour to record this review, and then the rest of the time I'm just on my MacBook, which is very old macbook pro 2010 so coming up for nine years old in april so that's that i'm re- that's really starting to feel its age as well for a number of reasons and i've got this imac 5k in here in the office that is a you know really lovely machine um that's getting used once a week to record a podcast that just seems a little bit all out of balance really yeah yeah so you've got the space you've got the kit but you're not Time wise, you're not spending the same time in there as you were. I'm just not using it, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, reason number one is that since sort of December, I've had a day job again. Um, so inevitably, that's going to cut the amount of available time that I had to be in here because a lot of the time now I'm at work versus being at home taking care of Charlie slash developing iPhone apps on the side. So that's taken a hit. Um, second of all, what with Oliver being born middle of December, not mid- start of December, sorry. Um, yeah, just kind of, I guess, life is up in the air a little bit. So there aren't those big pockets of time anymore where I can actually take myself away to the office to do stuff. Um, it's now easier to flip open the laptop for... 15 or 20 minutes and do that four or five times throughout the day versus coming up to the office for maybe two, two and a half hours, if you follow yeah. it. Um, and then there are times where I get an hour, which is like a bigger block of time. Like this afternoon, um, Charlie went down for his nap, as he always does. You know, you can set your watch to that. That's great. But Oliver is obviously, he's not even two months old. So... Yeah, Heather took him off and they kind of dozed, I think, for a little bit. So I got 45 minutes to an hour. Um, But again, I I could have maybe come up to the office for that time, but it got to the point where I was like, well, you know what? I've got loads of files on my MacBook and I know I can flip open the lid and all my stuff is there. Sort of the the context of what I was doing is going to be there immediately when I flip open the lid versus having to come upstairs and ramp up on the iMac. Yeah. Thing. just things like the terminal window I had open and the Xcode, it's, it's all there like exactly where I left it which is um, kind of worth something I think so yeah I just sat on the sofa with the laptop so yeah I, it just feels like this kind of office space is it's just up for reconsideration I suppose because I'm really not getting anything much out of it at the moment, I mean it's lovely don't get me wrong, I love having the space um, you know I've got, I've got it all set up exactly how I want it uh, built my own desk so in that sense it's really been well tuned for me and what i need it for but yeah i don't know that i need it anymore which is yeah it makes me a bit sad i suppose when i think about it like that but on the other hand um i I do really like being on a laptop again um there's something about it 
I think it's probably like you're saying, it's, it's having that freedom to, to use it in, in the space and time that you really have. I think if, if you were in the same position as you were, as you put the room together and, and how you've been using it uh, kind of before uh, your youngest arrived, you know, you'd be getting that bit more use out of it, um, out of the space. So I guess I kind of think, well, if you were to move over to being on a laptop 100% now, and then the IMAT was gone, then still kind of hanging on to the space and the desk, that, that still might be useful. You know, when we come to record it, if you can then just put the laptop down, plug in uh, to the mic and everything else, and off you go. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking, actually. Um, obviously, the iMac is currently up for sale. Um, but I think longer term, I might get a 24 or a 27-inch 4K monitor. Probably a 24. I think 4K works best at 24 inches. Just That's just a personal preference for me, I think. I've already got a 27-inch screen, and that runs at 5K. Yeah. So I think to have 4K stretched up to 27 inches, I'll find a little bit odd. Uh, never say never though I haven't actually seen a 27 inch 4k in in the flesh so um, the amount I squint at the 5k (laughs) I might actually find it to be beneficial you never know Um, so yeah and and yeah you can get those monitors reasonably cheaply Um, obviously they're still significant purchases but nothing like what a what like an Apple monitor is likely to cost um, whenever that comes out so I think you can get a pretty good result for sort of 300 pounds ish is what I'm kind of feeling when i'm looking around at the minute they're a lot more standard now than they were you know even 18 months ago i remember looking around doing a bit of a cursory sort of look uh, on our way out of the uk Uh, i sold a few things on ebay and i was wondering whether i should you know maybe buy a monitor uh chuck it in the box on the boat kind of thing and i'm sure they were there were more than that at that point it's the entry level so yeah, I, and, and not only that, the whole USB C thing is kind of like, well, actually, I, I hear a lot of bad things about USB C, but actually, this is one of the things that I could embrace about USB C is that I can just have one cable, plug it into the laptop, that does power, that does my display, that does everything. Yeah. Um, so that's quite appealing. Although, truth be told, I'd probably plug my mic in separately rather than have it going through any hub or anything like that. Just, just because you don't want the mic to be flaking out for any reason while you're recording. Yep. Um, I don't know. It'll probably be fine, but yeah, it's just one of those things. Um, so yeah, I think that's probably one of the, probably going to be the best solution. And even then I don't anticipate using it that much, even if it is just when I come up here and maybe a few odd occasions, but for the cost of the monitor and I've already got the desk and a nice chair in place, I think it makes sense to put a decent monitor in place with a, you know, like a USB-C connection. Yep. Just so that when I do want that office environment, I can st- I can have it again. It's not like I'm giving it up entirely. It's just being changed slightly. Yep. That 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 makes a lot of sense. And I kind of got that going on with with my MacBook here now. So I've, I'm running a, a 2013 13 inch MacBook Pro, uh, which is showing its age in places. I certainly feel the difference between that and my uh, work issued uh, 2017 15 inch. I bet it's like night and day, isn't it? Yeah, the compile times is sort of the biggest kind of difference, I guess. Um, but what I do see with that is I'm able to to take that laptop across the house 
you know, and, and, and then come back to the desk. And that is useful. So I can imagine that working out for you. And I've got my monitor set up permanently, this this microphone. Um, and, and I have that, that kind of desk setup going on here. And yeah, being able to walk in, plug in and everything is just sort of where I left it. That's that's useful in terms of like the, the, the monitor and the mic and, and the um the sound device and everything as well. So but I do have a mess of USB leads and bits and bobs on the desk if I look down. So USB C <laughs> every, everything through a USB C hub would be cool. And if that was doing power and the dis- and the display was routed through there and everything else as well, then then that'd be great. Uh, but I could solve some of my problems by just buying a decent uh, USB three hub, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Honestly, don't know what I would if if I were to get this lap, like, get like a new fifteen inch MacBook Pro to sort of sort all this out. What I'm trying to do, I don't know what I would plug in really. Um, obviously, the monitor. If I was to dock it at the desk, um, but other than that, I. I I don't even plug anything into the laptop I have, really. Yeah. Other than the microphone. That's that's it. Um, so, yeah, um, I guess when I hear people kicking off about USB-C, being like, oh, welcome to Dongletown, this and that and the other, it's like, well, what what, what are you doing that needs all these cables? I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just missing something here or, or, or I, I don't know. But Yeah. Yeah, because a lot of cases, a lot of use cases to me don't really need that much. Like if you've got a stack of drives that you're always plugging into, well, you're using your laptop like a desktop at that point after a while. So, you know, having all of those plugged into some sort of hub that then hands off to USB-C to the, to the Mac uh, versus having several USB things plugged in. Surely that's not that bad a trade. I can kind of see it if you're a musician and you've got lots of kind of different MIDI input devices or something. So you might have, you know, a keyboard and uh, something that's more like a, a, a set of drum pads or whatever to trigger things and an audio device and other bits as well. So I could see that kind of mounting up and you probably don't want to be running hubs for all of those things. Hmm. But, that's, but can you not, that's quite niche. <laughs> could you like? I'm thinking with this microphone. I've got a USB A cable going to a USB. Uh, is it USB B? You know, like the printer cables for yep. USB, like the one, like the little sort of square with chamfered edges on the top. Could you not just get one of those to a straight USB C? I imagine they probably exist. Yeah, like no, no, no need for dongles. No need like. I'm going to yeah, just a straight cable because I know you can do for like the um, lightning cable as well. You've got lightning to USB C cables that I think probably do. I can't yeah. imagine that it's doing very much in there to translate across to USB C. I would imagine the whole idea of USB C is that it can still take, you know, the same sort of signals or whatever as, as the original spec. Yeah. So um, here we go. USB-C to USB-B cable, one pack, nylon cable, looks very nice, five pounds for a three foot cable. Fair enough, yeah. Uh, Six pounds for a six foot, eight pounds for a 16 foot. Um, So yeah, yeah, I I just hear this Dongletown stuff, it's like, can you not just spend a little bit on cables and then it's sorted out? Um, Move on. Yeah, like printers, all my printers are networked. 
yep. storage, all my storage is network attached. It's basically just my microphone. And you can even get USB sticks now that have both USB-A and USB-C built into them. So like you slide to the left to get the USB-A port and you slide the little thing to the right to get the USB-C and it's all connecting to the same memory chips inside. Right, yeah. Um, and again, you get those like 64 gig ones, I think they're like 25 quid. So it all just seems like really solvable problems. Um, if USB-C really is going to be the future, as as we're being told it probably is. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just kind of, I, lately I've just been rolling my eyes a lot when I hear the whole, you know, welcome to Dongle Town and hear people complaining. And I, and I guess you've spent, what, £2,350 on a base, uh, base model 15-inch MacBook. And yeah. yeah, I suppose after that, when you start having to pay for more cables and more this and more that, I guess it can great a little bit um, I, I think the one that gets me is the the apple issue dongles the av adapter that gives you a an hdmi port and a, a regular old uh usb uh, i guess usb a size um that feels so overpriced to me when you look at how much that costs and so i mean like the 70 or 80 pound one yeah yeah, yeah okay, fair enough. <laughs> ludicrous. So, I mean, at that point, I sort of feel like, well, do you know, they took away the HDMI port and um, give absolutely nothing else for sort of direct video output. So you need a dongle at that point to get anything done, and you're not really talking about... Um, you can't get an HDMI through to USB-C cable that is not also doing some level of what the, the dongle does, right? It's, it's not the same as feeding USB to USB. USB A to USB C, so yeah, that irritates me. That sort of feels like well, the, the, at the least, that dongle shouldn't be as expensive as it is. I guess is what I'm saying because you're going to oh, buy yeah, it definitely. because you've bought one of these machines, and yeah, I, I sort of feel like they should loss lead on that a little bit. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm just looking here again on Amazon USB C to HDMI adapter capable of 4K at 60 hertz, um, eleven pounds. Yeah. So so to me that feels completely acceptable. It's like, yeah, technology moves on, I have to pay eleven quid for a new lead, sure. I mean how good these leads are, I mean, is I don't know, I've not bought one, but yeah. Um there certainly seems to be others others at similar prices. If I got anything more than six months out of that, then that's what two in a year at that price. It's gonna be four years before I've reached parity with with paying out for Apple's one. And I don't yeah. believe the build quality on Apple's one's really that good. So I'd be expecting to budget for a new one within four years anyway, depending on you know, how I'm using it and the rest of it. But yeah, so it, it's good that there's those options now. But I, I know when things first came out, obviously there's that kind of lag as, as new dongles and new wires and new devices were sort of coming out from the industry. And aren't the so, hubs sort of notoriously flaky as well? Yeah, yeah, some of them are. I'm sure I heard something. It may have even been on ATP. Marco was talking about it. Something about the like the chipset that drives those hubs. There's only basically like one of them. That, so all the companies end up using the same chipset or something. Yeah. So they're kind of all inherently unreliable by default due to this like chip or something. I think um, yeah, like Intel's going to be making one soon, and then maybe they'll be better i'm probably misremembering this really badly um it's a few months ago on atp they were discussing it but yeah i I guess that would bug me if you bought a hub and then it just you know 
hubs do that they don't they like i've got a usb hub here for like usb3 ports and it's if anything's going to fail in like the chain of devices you, you can bet it's that one you know yeah and i had yeah. some sort of weirdness actually with the usb3 hub and this laptop in that when i plugged it in it was actually interfering with the bluetooth really yeah um oh okay. i've never really figured out whether it was just that hub or what but i plug it in and i lost uh, my use, my my mouse and everything else that was plugged in over Bluetooth. Ooh, so I, okay. I stopped using it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think it's so, yeah. the pricing more than anything else of Apple's actual dongles that really gets me. Yeah, and I, I don't know, like the whole pricing thing, the narrative at the moment. It's almost like Apple's got a bit of egg on its face with that. So I don't know whether whether we're going to see any any rollback what with the announcement that their um forecasts for profit were were they about like 7 or 8 billion dollars off so the money that they're going to get is about 7 or 8 billion less than what they predicted um which i think apple for the most part is pointing the finger at china saying well their economy's slow and that's why that's where the shortfall's going to come from but nevertheless it's not a good narrative for apple no. And it's not a good narrative anyway that just like kind of through my day job, I've been picking up anecdotally speaking to people that, oh, well, Apple designs stuff to break, don't they? And right, it, yeah. I've been shocked how much I've heard that. It's and what they overprice it's it. very much believed. Oh, yeah. And I even heard it around the, the dinner table at Christmas with family. You know, the, the subject of, oh, I might need to get a new iPhone soon. It's like, oh, yeah, well, their batteries are designed to wear out, aren't they? <laughs> that genuinely came up around the table and I was like, oh, okay, right, let's uh, let's talk about this then. And then as soon as you start actually explaining it, I kind of got labelled as, oh, yeah, well, you'll say anything to defend Apple. And it's like, well, no, I'm just trying to explain to you what's actually taken place. And like, oh, no, I was... they didn't want to hear any of it, basically. So I think, yeah, Apple's got some real kind of healing to do there, I think. Couple that with this pricing uh, kind of narrative that's come off the back of the lower than expected profits it's uh it's going to be interesting to see how they react to it yeah and and there's also been a sort of thing of them them taking different steps to kind of try and shore things up as well it sort of feels like anyway so i i, I was coming across that they had uh started ramping up production of the iphone 10 because the 10r wasn't selling so well in some markets so mm. to sort of take that slot, if you like, they they were actually producing more iPhone 10s to sort of take the lower end of the market where, where people were not buying the the 10s. And I can't really describe that as actually the lower end of the market, even at those prices. So oh, quite <laughs> clever what they've done, isn't it? When you think when you just stop and think. So the iPhone 10R is cheaper now for the 64 gig model than what uh, my dad paid last year for an iPhone 8 Plus. Yep. So it, it's about, they're about the same. You know, it's, I think it's like 750 and it was 799, but the 8 Plus was considered the premium phone and the 7 Plus rather was considered a premium phone and the 8 Plus obviously got overshadowed by the 10, but nevertheless, they're still premium handsets that are a lot of money. Yep, but now because we've got the ten, and now even more so, we've got the ten S Max that starts at is it eleven fifty in pounds here in the UK. By comparison, the ten R seems like a bargain, and yeah. it's almost kind of you hear that like 
you know, you listen to all the different tech podcasts, it's quite often referred to as, oh, you know, the, the, the 10R is the cheaper one. Um, but it's still priced as a premium handset, really, when you think about it. Um, but how they've managed to position it, how they've managed to position it is like the the cheaper one is is genius when you think about it. Yeah, and, and it's um, it is genius because yeah, two years ago that was the cap of the market, that was the top. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and now the same that's been referred to as the cheap one. It's brilliant when you it's, a, it's like anchoring, isn't it? They call it with pricing. Um, it's, it's basically that that has been executed incredibly well. There's a I think there's a hotel in New York that does some kind of um some kind of like breakfast that's, you know, like caviar and all these really expensive things. And it's a ridiculous amount of money. I think it's like $10,000 to sit down for breakfast at that place. Whoa. But then they do uh, like a, a mini version for like $500. And yeah. obviously by comparison, <laughs> the mini one seems like a bargain and you're getting a small taste of like luxury that you, you know most people can't afford. And they sell a ton of those. Um, but they're still making a fortune out of it, obviously. But it's it's seen as cheap. But it's still five hundred dollars for breakfast versus the expensive one. That's that's it, part of the psychology around having a flagship product, right? The the, the, yeah. the flagship's the one that sort of goes and puts that that stake that's up there, that stake in the ground or, or that bar or whatever you want to call it is is there, and and that's the thing to aspire to. And I guess that's kind of what what Apple have done with the phones now. So the, the sort yeah. of 10s and 10s Max are kind of occupying that that sort of space, uh, and it's it frustrates me in in a lot of ways because, like, I can remember was it the four or the four S? I think that set me back somewhere around four hundred, four fifty, at the time. Right. I remember that feeling like a a stretch for a phone at the time and I was kind of having a bit of a checking myself sort of thing like really am I spending this much on a phone you know yeah. and I would be uh I'd be pretty pleased if that was where the the kind of top of the line was was at these days yeah. you know that that would yeah, feel so much more affordable <laughs> well I'm thinking back to when I got my 3G and I think it was 199 down yeah then 35 pounds a month could you imagine that now? If if you were to go down and put one nine nine down for a for an iPhone ten and just walk out of a thirty five pound a month contract, I mean now it seems like anything below fifty is considered a bargain for a contract that includes the handset. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I even I still look back at when I bought the iPhone ten, and there was a big part of me that was like, "Dude, you're going to spend a thousand pounds on a phone seriously." Uh, <laughs> But I kind of thought, well, you know, it's what I'm into and I don't really spend my money on much else. So, you know, to hell with it. I'll buy it. Um, I don't know if I'd do it again, though, because I, I was thinking if I just held off a year, probably would have yeah. wanted the 10R, much like you did. I don't I think, think I would have gone for the 10R. probably would have been quite happy with it as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... I mean, the OLED screen's nice, but I wasn't like, oh, damn it, I really need an OLED screen in my phone and I'm going to wait and wait and wait until they make one before I upgrade. It was nothing like that. It was just like, oh, cool, it has an OLED screen. And if anything, I was more concerned about image burning and like retention issues in that sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that I think the is a great phone. Um, and in a way, I kind of think well, if I just waited a year, I could have saved like £250 because I probably wouldn't have gone for the what is now the 10S. Um, the 10R would have been more than adequate. Yeah, I'm certainly enjoying the, the, the 10R so far as well. Like, 
I just can't find a reason to fault it. It does what I need it to do. If, if I was going to fault it for anything, it would be the thickness. But at the same time, I know that thickness is giving me back an awesome battery life. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm enjoying that, you know, I, I get, yeah, it's rare that I would need to actually charge the, the phone until I get back home. Whereas yeah. I was finding on my, on my seven, obviously the battery was starting to run out and I, I needed to charge it mid morning if I'd used it much on the bus and that sort of stuff as, as well. And I was running music off it or anything. Mm. So uh, yeah, I, I can't fault it. It's, it's a cool phone. I think what I like about it is that it's got the real estate of the 10s max, but in a smaller, smaller screen size, which is quite cool because it's got the yeah. same number of points, right? That's right. Um, yeah. It's just two X versus three X. And to be honest, I, my old iPhone 6 that Heather's now got, put it side by side on my iPhone 10. So that's a 2X phone versus the 3X on the iPhone 10. I can't tell any difference. I honestly couldn't tell you which was 2X and 3X if you put them side by side. I think sort of 2X has just surpassed what my eyes can kind of perceive. So 3X, you can, they could come out of 4X and I'd be like, well, that's great, but I'm just not going to you know, <laughs> even come close <laughs> to seeing it. So that the, you know, the, the 2X-ness of the 10R, that's totally fine. Um, and in, t- in, in fact, you get all that kind of uh, real estate that you get with the, the 10s Max. Awesome. Um, so yeah, I, I think I'd probably, if had I waited a year, I'd have been sat here with a white iPhone 10R and an extra £250 in my pocket that would now be going towards a, a MacBook Pro, I think. Yep. But yeah, I, 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 I don't really know what to do about the MacBook, really. Um, speaking of it, because we're probably not, I feel like something might happen this year with the MacBook Pros. Yep. Um, more so than just a, a CPU spec bump from Intel. I, th- I don't know whether... In my head, it's either going to be this year or next, but it's a good chance it might be this year that we're going to see a redesign, perhaps. And I don't know whether I'm worth holding off to see what that what that turns into. Um, yeah, it's tricky to judge that one. Oh, yeah, it's... It's one of those where you could just be waiting and waiting and waiting all the while having had kind of nothing. Yeah. So I don't, I mean, I can't see it being like, you know, at WWDC, they walk onto stage like, great news, we've got a new range of 15-inch and 13-inch MacBook Pros and they're running our ARM CPUs and, you know, look at the performance no. versus Intel. That's not going to happen. I'm I'm not thinking like that, but... I don't know. I just look at how polarizing the that range of laptops has been. Um and I look at the keyboard issues that they've got and I yeah, I mean this year would be it would be 3 years since they initially came out with them. So I do wonder whether perhaps we might see see something generally 3 or 4 years, isn't it, that yeah. you see a, a redesign. Um so yeah, at the very least, I suppose I might get a 10, 10 nanometer Intel chip if I just wait and they keep the same chassis and everything and just put a new chip in it. So there's that. But Yeah, I wonder if they're going to have another go at the keyboard as part of the redesign because I think that's... It kind of doesn't matter whether the keyboard's all right now. You know, this is sort of that visual... Oh, well, that, that kind of factor that, that's cut in where, where people are sort of calling out the keyboard ahead of time like oh, these these ones have got bad keyboards or whatever and i like i said i don't know how much that bears out with the the latest model or not 
So I've seen people saying things one way and saying the other way, and that's that's fair enough. Uh, but it feels like on an updated model, they should actually do something new with the keyboard just to kind of draw the line in the sand. Yeah. Yeah, last year's uh, that with that silicon membrane, it definitely felt a bit of a Band-Aid of a fix, didn't it? Yeah. Um, and... But then they put that keyboard into the new MacBook Air, and that's the MacBook that's going to ship in some serious volume, I would have thought, relative to the others. Now, there's a point. Have you thought, with your situation, whether getting a MacBook Air for now would actually be the better choice or not? Um, For me, I've thought about this, and I think for me to be productive when I'm away from the desk and plugged into a monitor, I need a 15-inch screen. Right. Um, at the moment, the MacBook Pro that I have that's a 15-inch, it was at the time when they offered a high-res screen as an option. So it went from like 1440 by 900, I think, to you could opt for a 1680 by 1050 panel. Yeah, And I went for that. Um, so, yeah, that was to try and sort of maximize the real estate I could get on the 15-inch screen. So... Just go into a, a regular 15-inch screen again where the resolution is lower, albeit on the same screen size. I'm going to feel it. I'm going to feel a hit there, I think, in terms of real estate, which might require a bit of an adjustment. Um, so, yeah, the thought of going all the way down to 13-inch is kind of out of the question, I think, for me at this point. Fair enough. And I, I think with the um, with what you're saying there, though, I think the scaled resolution mode might help you out. Possibly, yeah. 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 So that yeah, I mean I experiment I, a bit. Yeah, I run my 13 inch on that and that that helped me not feel like I'd sort of like gone down because I went from a, an older 15 inch to this one when it when I upgraded. And yeah. So turning the 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 resolution scaling so that I've got that bit more real estate on the the, the smaller screen that's helped. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, but I mean I tend oh. to get by um Plugged into an external monitor is definitely better for running Xcode, but for everything else, I don't really miss having the bigger screen when I'm on the 13-inch. And actually, when I'm on my 13-inch, I notice that I prefer the keyboard compared to the 2017 that I use at work. (laughs) (laughs) It does put me off, though, the whole keyboard thing. Just the fact I'm going to be spending that level of money knowing that that's kind of a cloud hanging over me. Yeah, um, I don't know if you saw the, the Unbox Therapy YouTube channel. Um, put out a video in the week uh, with the MacBook Air that they had. Right, that exhibited that problem of sticky keys, like the E key was sticking and typing oh. like double E's and all sorts. So it's like, oh no, is this is this really is this really still happening? Uh, so yeah, I don't know. It, it feels like a, a risk at that price. Like, I mean, it does, it's, doesn't it's it? Always been pricey, but. You know, and more so with with today's prices. Mm. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't like that sort of gamble kind of feeling. I mean, like the the machine for me, if I was to buy a new machine today to replace this this aging, uh, twenty thirteen, is probably the Mac Mini. And I lose all that portability, but I feel like that would be the this kind of saner choice while I've got the desk and the space and I am able, you know, when I do use my, my machine for programming, I am actually sat at that external monitor anyway. So yeah, I mean, it sort of feels a bit weird. Like I would actually not be, be looking at getting the, 
the MacBook anymore. I'd be looking at getting a, a, a Mac Mini. So then I would have that grunt and that power on my desk. And I guess I would start using the um, using the iPad in different ways if I could. Do you know, because that's kind of become my, my more go-to for, for portable computing now. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I do feel like, again, the prices are still an issue. I mean, for a 15-inch MacBook Pro, for the base level to be over... Two thousand pounds. I mean, two thousand three hundred and fifty is a lot. Whichever way you slice it, that is a lot to spend on a laptop. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I've been lucky that I've managed to sell off a few odds and ends that I don't use to build up some of that cash. And if I can sell the iMac at a decent rate, then it's not like I'm having to dip into my own sort of piggy bank. If you see what I mean, I've kind of had this separate pile of money that's been building up because I, you know, just things I don't sell, like my SLR camera, I've sold that, and a few other bits and bobs. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the iMac's like the final piece in the puzzle, really, to sell that. But then I think if I'm going to wait, do I just sell the iMac now while it's worth more? Because obviously it's going to be worth less and less and less as time passes. Especially if as each new range of Macs, whether it be laptops or whatever, comes out, it's probably going to affect the value of it and the desirability of it. Yeah. So just sell it now and sort of put the money in a jar, kind of thing, for when I am ready to to jump on a, a new MacBook. And just make do with my old 2010 one meantime, I guess. I don't know. I wonder if, if you could do that and then maybe kind of just keep an eye on eBay in the meantime and, and, and look out for um, the 2015 15 inches. So oh, yeah. before the, the before the keyboard woes, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, as a, again, as a kind of stopgap machine, you know, you're looking at, okay, I'm going to get that. It's not going to take all of all of this potential macbook pro money away certainly if you shop around and you look look out for the right bargain i guess uh gives you a bit more power in the meantime still at the space that you need with an idea that you know as soon as that new machine is out that you're that you're after uh you you sell that on and do what you need to do then to upgrade to that you know maybe maybe Mm, that's that's a a port of call yeah that's a route i haven't actually considered um yeah, that's an interesting point. Mm. I, I did feel slightly annoyed that, I, you know, like if, if if I had to buy one tomorrow, like I could, I could like dip into my own money, but I don't really want to. And I did notice that like loads of the retailers, like uh, John Lewis, Amazon, PC World, all three of them had dropped the price massively to two thousand and fifty-five versus the two three fifty that it costs direct from Apple. Okay. And yeah, part of me was thinking, like, crikey, that's nearly three hundred pounds off. When do you ever get three hundred pounds off an Apple product? Like, hardly ever. Yeah, and those prices so did, are quite curated, even even when they're in third parties, right? I mean, I think Apple I would still guess, control that. I would guess they do, um, especially as they were all the same as well. So it it must be like Apple are saying, okay, third party retailers, you may sell the lap the MacBook fifteen inch at X. And then they will do it. Um, yeah, yeah. There, there must be something like like an Apple approved sale. I guess it must be without Apple actually discounting it themselves. But how annoyed would you be if you went to the Apple store and bought one only to walk, you know, walk into John Lewis, which in, in the store I go to is literally just up the road, and then you see one nearly three hundred pounds off, and John Lewis offer you a three year warranty. Yeah, so that becomes like having the Apple one uh, plus. Um, Apple Care, right? It's almost. 
basically. Uh, yeah, for like yeah. 300 pounds off. Um, but yeah, lo and behold, it looks like at the time of recording, <laughs> let me just refresh to make sure it hasn't changed again. Huh, wouldn't you know it? <laughs> it they went up last week. Um, in the week they went back to 2350 at the third party retailers and now they're back down again, which is weird. That's really weird. Um, it feels like they're kind of testing something there. Does a little bit, doesn't it? Hang on, let me. I'm frantically typing. Worry, worry, worry. Yeah, yeah. So they're they're back down to like sale prices again. Right. Um. So yeah. Don't know. Yeah, it does feel like there's something going on, and part of me wonders if they're trying to clear out old stock, maybe for something new. Maybe that's a possibility. <laughs> Be quite cool, wouldn't it, if they were. <laughs> Some kind of event early this year, maybe where they announce uh, a new iPhone SE and a new MacBook Pro 15 inch. That'd be a, that'd be just a ticket, but it would. Yeah. But I think I think it's going to be a while later into the year, really, before yeah, the MacBook Pros. So. Depends yeah. if if that's the case, then I, I would be really interested for uh, later on in the year, just because that would indicate to me that you know something interesting is happening elsewhere. You know, yeah. if they were to be be releasing them this soon, and so. I don't know. I, it depends on on the schedule for Intel chips still at the moment, I guess. Unless they were to be doing something radically different yet. Uh, apparently 10 nanometers, uh, 10 nanometer chips that can be used in the MacBook Pros will be out, I think, in Q2 this year. Which would right. time for a WWDC announcement, perhaps. Yep. But, yeah. Yeah, we'll see. It's just something I'm going to watch of interest, I think. And, uh, but yeah, that those sale prices really make me sort of twitch and want to just jump the gun now and buy it, but I shall resist. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll call that a wrap. If you've enjoyed today's show, it'd be great if you could leave us a review on iTunes or if you could leave us a recommendation in Overcast by hitting that star button, that will help us reach even more like-minded people. Um, also, we have our Slack channel. We'd love to invite you to join. Our hope is it can be a really great place for fellow developers to come and hang out. If you'd like to join, uh, just leave us a message on Twitter at WFR Podcast and we'll get you signed up. So, Dave, before we run off, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at DW Roboheads. That's Roboheads spelled with a Z. And you can find my apps at Roboheads.com. Again, that's Roboheads spelled with a Z. How about you, Dave? You can follow me online at davenot.co.uk or on Twitter, I'm at underscore davenot. 